All right, once again, we're sitting here at uh, the Darby Room inside 75th Ranger Regiment, and we've got some um, new members here that are going to be sitting here joining us on the show. So for those of you who are not aware, I'm Robert Cowan. I'm the host, and my co-host today is... Back with Kyle. How are you guys doing? So uh, low-density MOS. So we're going to go first around the room so that everybody can kind of share maybe a couple different things. So name, uh, maybe your military occupational specialty, and for those, you know, acronyms are great, but for those who might be listening, and your civilians, they may have no idea what a 12 Bravo is from 11 Bravo. So maybe you can even just give more of what that uh, that is. Um, and then I'm also um, curious about how long you've been in the regiment and where's home originally. So I know that's a lot, but if you guys can kind of think about that, that's great and uh, lay that out. So we'll start with you and we'll go left to right and then back the room, left to right again. Awesome. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Sergeant First Class Velez. Uh, I'm a, currently a Petroleum Supply Sergeant, 92 Fox, serving within the Ranger Regiment. I've been here for over 10 years and love every single minute of it. Um, I home from uh, Los Angeles, California. Awesome. Uh, I'm Sergeant C. Good morning. Um, I'm a 91 Bravo wheeled vehicle mechanic. I'm the motor sergeant at the RSTB Motor Pool. Uh, I was born and raised in Virginia, a small little town down there, and uh, been wanting to join the Army my whole life. So. It's been a it's been a great experience so far. Wow, Re I'm sorry, I need to stop being a regimental motor sergeant Rogers, as an yeah. E5. Yes, impressive. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, pretty solid. Really, yeah. it's really low density MOS. Yeah, yeah. So we, moved, <laughs> yeah. we moved into ranks pretty quickly. Okay, yeah. so we both came from armor. So when you said motor sergeant, yes, we I think I, of this crusty old yeah, this, you're right. With E7 a mustache, always carrying a cup of coffee. He's yeah. as close as you can get to it. Yeah, you don't look anything officer. like that guy. Yeah. So okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, Sergeant Zach Thatcher. Um, I'm, an, I'm an HR guy, 42 Alpha, friendly neighborhood S1. Um, from uh, from Ohio, joined the Army as a 42, as an option 40. Thought it would be awesome. Saw Black Hawk down. Saw that guy would uh, uh, was typing things. Went out, shot some guns. So, looked awesome. So. <laughs> Is that Grimesy? Yeah. Grimesy get the coffee? Yeah. Okay, solid. Uh, how long have you been in? Uh, I've been up on four years now. Okay, cool. Uh, good morning, Sam First Class Varela. I'm a 12 Bravo combat engineer. I've been in regiment for close to four years. Uh, I want to say out of like my whole time in the military, these are probably the best four years that I have spent. Uh, so I'm really happy and glad to be here in the regiment. Regiment. Awesome. Uh, good morning, Sergeant Sullivan, uh, 35 Golf. I'm a geospatial intelligence analyst. Uh, about here, been here for about three years now, and uh, I'm currently from Alexandria, Virginia. Staff Sergeant Tyler Gerkink. I'm at 56 Mike, Religious Affairs NCO for the 75th Ranger Regiment. I've been in Ranger Regiment for four years now. And uh, yeah, I did come from the big army. We're talking about where we're from too. Yeah, now, yeah. Well, we'll get into that a little bit more too yeah. about uh, the vast uh, backstory and stuff. But um, okay, now I'm curious. What even made you join the army in the first place? Anyone? For yeah. me, it was uh, stability. Yeah. Being able to take care of my family uh, in a rough economy at the time. I was working two jobs, uh, trying to support my family. I had twin girls on the way along with my son that I had. So uh, joining the Army was the best decision that I think I made um, in my whole life. So that's the reason why I joined initially. Anybody else? Uh, for me, uh, so I was born and raised in Colombia, South America. And oh, there is... You have to serve the military, it's not a voluntary force. So I grew up already with that idea, uh, but I always look up to my brothers, my older brothers just serving and 
when I moved here, I saw um, the Army as a better organization compared to the one in my country. And I thought it was an awesome opportunity to, to give back to the country that gave me so many opportunities. And 17 years later, I'm still here. What a great story. Awesome. Now, is it Columbia also where they have the, the Rangers down there as well? Um, uh, so they're not Rangers, but yes, uh, they are Lanceros. Yes. And uh, Colonel Pocket, actually, cool story. He was one of the persons that helped stand up that program down in Colombia. And I had like the, the big opportunity and honor to talk to him about some of that uh, process. So it was awesome. Yeah, we had a, uh, a former guest who was a Lancero, told us all about his experience. He went through, um, he was actually just had gone through SFAS and Q and got into his unit and everybody was like deployed and there wasn't anything for him to kind of do other than be like a weapons NCO. And he wasn't too happy about that. And the slot came forward and there was nobody there. He jumped on it. And um, and he talked about that program. Uh, it was a hell of a program, yes. uh, school. Uh, I don't know that I would have gone through what he went through because it was pretty uh, terrifying. Some of the stories that he was sharing as part of the, yeah, that it's uh, nothing that the U.S. Army ever would put you through. That's for sure. So let's put it that way. <laughs> um, all right. Anybody else? Uh, any reason why you joined? Or? Yeah, I grew up doing uh, combat sports in high school. And my, one of my martial arts coaches was a second battalion ranger. Um, so he's a huge role model in my life and it motivated me to join. So, yeah. Very cool. See, you're out there recruiting your own. That's great. I joined the Army because uh, pretty much my entire family was in the Marine Corps, but I just felt like God was telling me to do something different. And then my dad told me, you don't have to do the Marines. So I talked to my brother, uh, my older brother, Nick, and he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was thinking about being a Ranger. And he's like, well, you got to be tough as nails for that. And he pointed me towards my MOS, which is really just a fair specialist. And so from that point forward, um, after talking to him, I knew what I wanted to be. And I knew I wanted to be a ranger, but I took a long way of getting here, which is why my nine years of being and I've only been here for four years. But um, ultimately, I just felt like God was calling me to the military. So I, I joined as a 56 Mike and then worked my way to getting a ranger regiment. Yeah, it's a cool story. Wow. Can't wait to dive back into the, the part before this part, you know, for sure. What about you? So I come from a very long line of men who have joined the military, mainly officers. And uh, I've just always been immersed in the culture and I love just the camaraderie, being around everybody. And uh, used to go to West Point football games when I was younger and I would always see like all the cadets out there and just like having so much fun and like really just coming together for a collective and I just wanted to do it. So pulled the trigger. I've loved it ever since. So why did the regiment appeal to you guys in the first place? I mean, because, you know, 11 Bravo, it seems to be kind of the course and the ticket. If you're, you know, wanting to improve upon your career, you're wanting to go to some of the best schools, you're wanting to get a tough assignment, those types of things. And even when you do the Abrams Charter and you go back out and help Big Army, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, obviously very helpful if you had uh, been a member of Ranger Regiment. But low density MOS, everybody's wondering what makes you guys want to come to the regiment. You have an option right really to just remain out in big army just like other infantry uh does if they choose to do that but for you guys in low density mos it's a it's it's not really known because it's not as well advertised so why so um i came here because i was looking for like an environment of excellence so like you're even like you're here you're gonna get pushed every single day like no matter what mos you're gonna be 
you're around excellent people all the time. And I wanted to be able to push myself every single day, no matter what I was doing. So. I would say one of the biggest points, uh, selling points for regimen is the people. Uh, it comes down to that. It, uh, people can say, well, they have like the nice, cool equipment. They have the cool gear. Uh, but i seen rangers just doing outstanding things without any of those gears or equipment. And it's just because it's the people. Uh, the people right here is always pushing you to be better. Um, and when I give recruiting briefs or I talk to uh, soldiers uh, in general, I tell them like, if you want a place that you want to push yourself and make yourself better every day, uh, regimen is the right place. The people are gonna give you a hard time in the sense that they want the best from you. Uh, but because of that, you keep growing as a person, as a soldier, as a ranger every single day. So do you guys feel like it's something that's hard in the moment, but it's something you're gonna look back on as a as a as an experience that really meant something. Like I hear a lot of people say, like Ranger School sucks when you're at Ranger School, but then it's fun. You know, six months after you graduate Ranger School, then you look back on it like fondly, right? So, you guys thinking that's like kind of the same thing, or is it? What 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 is a day to day like? Like how are you? How was your mental on a day to day? Like you are you reflecting that that sentiment you just said? Are you are you realizing that in the moment when somebody's pushing you in Ranger Regiment, they're just trying to make you better? In in a way, yeah. I, I yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the biggest things I say from Big Army, because I spent so many years mm -hmm. in, in Big Army, is uh, in a regular unit, there's no much of a sense of pushing yourself. Yeah. You get to a point where, because of rank, because of position, you feel comfortable, mm -hmm. uh, and then you kind of, kind of settle down, and you're like, okay, yeah, I have made it. And right here, that's not the case. Uh, as a Siren First Class, I'm moving to my position right now, and I keep seeing like privates coming into the regiment and these guys without a need to be in the regiment that decide to because they have bachelors, they have masters, they, they had a career in, in the civilian world and they put that to stop and they decide to be rangers. And me as a leader, I look back at myself and it's like, okay, why if these guys are doing that, why I'm not pushing myself to be better? Like continue my civilian education, uh, be better at my craft as a combat engineer, and that's what I love about this place. Definitely looking back um, as a private, and even so as a civilian when I was coming in, um, everyone knows who Rangers are. Mm -hmm. um, did I know that I needed to go through a selection process to get here when I was a civilian? No, but like we know Navy has Navy SEALs, we know Marines have MARSOC, and so Army has Rangers, and I think what was appealing to me was that there's the airborne option and there's the cool training stuff that we do at night. So that was the appeal to it. And then once I was in the army, you hear about like, whether someone's got a ranger tab or you see someone with a ranger scroll, you just hear about the excellence and the prestige that must follow to maintain that reputation, even if you're not serving within a ranger regiment. So everyone knows about the ranger regiment. And so it is a little daunting because there is this acclaim and prestige that backs up the scroll and the tab. Um, so wanting to get here, it, it was daunting at first, but once you start picking and taking little bites at trying to achieve that goal, I was finding that it's, though it wasn't easy, it was simple. Because what I've gotten from Ranger Regiment is what I expected to get from the Army. For mm -hmm. example, going through RASP was what I thought 
what basic training would be like. But um, and it's not to downplay basic training, but like the, the training that I received in RASP, uh, Ranger Assessment Selection Program, was like tough physical training, demanding more of me, um, but still made me feel safe and cared for. Like the cadre were absolutely making sure that we were doing our tough training in a safe way that we're not gonna like cause injury and stuff, but like also making sure that it's not easy and that it's pushing us to the next level. And that's just ultimately what the culture is here. It's that you have to be putting your best foot forward because that's what the army, let alone our nation, is expecting of us. And it just pr uh, produces a high caliber of individual, whether it's an officer or an enlisted member. So that's ultimately one of the selling points for me to get here, was just to get a just get the opportunity to work alongside people like that. Yeah, just be greatness adjacent. You know, you know what I mean. Like, there, that's always a good feeling, right? When you might not be the best player on the team, but you're on the team. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's probably pretty cool playing for the Dallas Cowboys, even if you are playing special teams. You know what I mean? Get on the team. Yeah, and you can get on the team, right? Exactly. So it's not like you guys are gatekeeping because when I joined the Army, I originally thought, okay, Ranger Regiment, there's nothing but a bunch of 11 Bravos. And I, I thought 11 Bravos were working in the S shop, and I thought 11 Bravos were – I didn't even know they had fuelers here. I, like, that was that that was really insightful when I, when I learned that piece, that there's other people here besides guys that are – doing what what is on these pictures out here yeah kind of tying back to what some of these guys have said so initially when i joined the ranger regiment from the gpf the general population force i had a command sergeant major that came from second ranger battalion and just his his character his demeanor the way he carried himself the way he lived the ranger creed every single day as my battalion command sergeant major is what inspired me yeah. to be an airborne ranger um fast forward um being in RASP, you know, I always aspired because he was my hero at the time. He was the guy I looked up to and did not want to fail. Um, and I got injured during RASP and I had to stay there for seven months on the rocks, hanging out, you know, going through the day in and day out. But the leaders that were there were so phenomenal in coaching me and teaching me and mentoring me every single day and not allowing me to quit. And that, I think that's what this organization is all about, is you serve alongside other human beings and other rangers that want to see you succeed and exceed the standard every single day. Um, it, and that was my experience in RASP. And some of the cadre that are here are sergeant majors that are walking around here, and I thank them every day mm -hmm. for their leadership and their mentorship during that process and time because they didn't allow me to fail or quit. They continued to push me and they continued to mentor me and get me over the top. That's awesome. That's awesome. So a lot of guys are curious, what's a day in the life like here? And, and for those of you that have been in big army before, this would be a great opportunity to say the difference between those two areas, right? So anybody want to take the lead on that one? I think the biggest differences here is, is we serve a purpose higher than ourselves, right? Um, we, I think in the army, in the regular army, it, it is a day-to-day -day battle rhythm thing that you just kind of, you go and you do. But here, um, we always aspire to be the best, right? So you, you continue to, to challenge yourself every single day, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, um, in all aspects. And, and the great thing about here is there's so many great leaders and so many great people that it, it is literally hard um, to 
to fail at anything because no one just will allow it. And I, I think one of the biggest differences is, you know, coming from the, the, the big army, you have you have people that join for different reasons, whether it's college, whether it's X, whether it's Y, whether it's Z, um, but everybody here joined to serve for a higher purpose and everybody's like-minded. So in my personal opinion, I think that's like what one of the biggest differences is everybody's here to achieve something um, versus it just showing up for a job. Um, and that's, that's my personal opinion. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest changes is um, kind of like to talk a little bit of what he said is is there, there is a purpose there's a clear and direct purpose that whenever you show up at work you know what you need to do to either finish the day finish the week finish the month um, so you're always working towards something compared to uh, a regular unit you show up and sometimes that purpose is not clear. So, so, so you guys feel like task and purpose here is far more laid out in front of you. You guys know what steps one through five are yes. and you know the micro steps, the 1A, 1B to get to two and yes. whatever that stuff. I, Good. Think, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. Uh, and I, I tell people when we play here, we play hard and it's nonstop. Uh, when we finish what we have to do, there's also that recovery time that is allotted for uh, physical, mental, whatever, uh, family time. Like the, the chaplains here are outstanding with the programs that they run. They take care of the families. They take care of uh, the single soldiers. Uh, it's just, I think those are like the biggest difference. Uh, some people say, oh, it's, they have a better budget, they have better days. And that could be somewhat true, but just because of the people and like the clear purpose and everybody like takes ownership of what they're supposed to do, everything starts just tying up and falling in place uh, to create a very, uh, very good organization. Yeah, I like what you said there in terms of money, because I've seen plenty of organizations get lots of money and they still don't achieve a lot, especially in terms of uh, chaplain programs. And whether that's due to incompetence or just lack of training, um, what I like about Ranger Regiment is that there are big bills that come through here, but it's still the expectation of like, we're gonna get the most bang for our buck. We're not here, we are not an organization that's gonna create a standard of wasting. We're gonna make sure that we're using money appropriately and in the amounts that we're getting and so I, I do like that fact that you brought up and to add to that i think like we have some of the best frg programs that i've ever yeah. seen in my military career yeah it almost feels like and i say this all the time like we are a family here yeah. because if you go on a marriage retreat here it is completely different than a marriage retreat anywhere else we we have some of the best programs in the you know the chaplains in the chaplain assistance, they, they lay out these programs and these soldier, single soldier retreats and these marriage retreats that are like world class and they're phenomenal and they bring families together and they help the unit. And, and again, it, it is, it's phenomenal compared to, to anywhere else. I'm going to totally hijack this because you both have mentioned, so I'll, I'll tell what my day-to-day -day is um, yep. in Ranger Regiment. What I liked what somebody said to me was, you're not hired in Ranger Regiment because and it wasn't specific, and this is a, a kind of a general quote that I think most people operate within Ranger Regiment is, 
you're not hired here because you can do one thing really well and you're not hired here because you can do you're really good at doing a bunch of things you're hired here because you can do a bunch of things at the same time really well and so that's kind of like the standard which almost every nco down to the private is operating off of including our officers is that yeah you're going to come to this organization and we're going to train you how to do everything at the same time really well but like my day-to-day -day is making sure that our our chaplain-led spiritual resiliency training events are are top-notch that they're getting the biggest bang for their buck um, that they're getting the uh, families to show up to these and we're and we're not wasting dollars on that um, that we're training our religious affairs specialists and chaplains to provide outstanding religious support no matter what ranger operation is going on so there's a lot of um, checks and balances that we just go through and it's Thankfully, here we have competent teams, so it's a lot more of a coaching and keeping within the parameters versus like training up from square one and like holding their hand. So that's one beauty of the position that I've been in is um, we're working with really, really competent teams that we've built. And then on top of that, it's then learning how to become, especially when you become an NCO, becoming a jump master. Um, I don't have the privilege of becoming a, a breach instructor or anything kind of breaching, but like it's finding other places you can fit yourself in to add to the organization because there's a lot to do around here. And if we're only just doing our job, if I'm only just being a religious affairs specialist for the Ranger Regiment, they're gonna say, thank you, thanks for playing, but we need someone who can do a little bit more. And so that's kind of how I always felt is the expectation. And it's never just been like, we're setting up for failure because you always have to be doing the next best thing. It's, there's an expectation, we're gonna get you there, and we're gonna make sure that you're, you're able to maintain that. Along with that, some people start asking questions about what is your availability, and you kind of hit on that, so I want to expand on that. On schools and being able to go to, you know, whether it's ranger school, air assault school, all that, do you guys take second class, or are you guys on equal footing with your, you know, infantry buddies? What, what, you know, well, how I'm would you guys here, respond? I see, I see a jump master here. I see a pathfinder right there. I, air assault. Just, just, there is a big misconception with that. So... <laughs> So you are afforded this. Everybody that enters the gate here is on the equal plane. You are afforded the same opportunity as anybody else. We do have specialized things for for specific low density MOSs, specific uh, you know drivers training, specific you know he could talk more about this breaching courses, specific things that are non-standard that help that out. But jump master, ranger school, air assault, pathfinder, those are general things that you can go and achieve here do they feel like almost an expectation at some point well, I, I, I would i would think the star above the wings and the, and the torch would almost be a, an expectation at this point if you're a leader in ranger regiment absolutely yeah. sir so uh that's one of the biggest uh, going back to your previous question what um is expected from a leader is to one have your ranger tab that way you can be seen as a ranger leader in the organization into a jump master. So those are no uh, me raising my hand and asking my channel of command, can I do it? It's them pointing at me and saying, you are doing it. Well, it makes sense. How can you do a PCC or a PCI on your soldier if you can't JMPI? Exactly. You know what I mean? How, how do you know they, they have their, their weapon rigged in correctly if, yeah. if you're not? So the opportunity is right here to go to schools to better yourself uh, better the organization, they are never shut down at any point. If anything, they are pushing down to you to take the opportunity to grow uh, as a ranger. Yeah. That's awesome. 
somebody asked a question about is the um, STB the only place that you guys can be assigned or can you go to line units? Uh, so for mechanics, uh, once we get our ranger tab, if we do want to go to the line and be a mechanic at any of those motor pools, we do have the option to do that. Uh, I think that STB is a great place to be just because of the schools and the training opportunities that we get to go to. Um, you will get to go there, uh, go to those schools on the line battalions as well. Um, but there's just something special about being an STB. It's a really tight knit organization. It's a very tight knit motor pool. Um, some of the courses that we go to, they're called FOSOF courses. It's Family of Special Operations Vehicles. And they're all non-standard courses that you can't attend in the conventional army. Um, so just being able to attend those schools that not, not everyone else gets the opportunity to attend, it's, it's just a great opportunity for us. Yeah. So. So a special troops battalion is not your dead end spot. You no, can go right. You can go to any MOS can go to any line battalion and, and serve there. So all, all the 88, 89, um, 92s, 94s, they can all go to first, second or third ranger battalion and serve equally there um, in, in the echo company. So I think we've already asked the question about the ranger school and, and what the expectation is. And we talked with the recruiting on a previous episode about you mentioned the expectation is when you become an NCO or before you're headed towards that path E4 or whatever, it's to go to Ranger School. Everybody has to have a Ranger tab if you're going to stay within um, Ranger Regiment. Um, but you guys, like you had mentioned, I think which should be highlighted again, you have specialized training that continues on for your career path and, and for your career development that the regiment also ensures that you have the opportunity and the affordability to go to, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think and I'm, I'm just trying to clear that up because there's a misconception that I'm, I'm obviously you can tell I'm trying to kill. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely hit on that because yeah. I've had when, in my chances or opportunities to recruit 56 mics, religious affairs specialists for Ranger Regiment. There is that ex there. Even when I was first doing it, it was like, am I going to be, you know, in a stack, you know, on a, on a door one day? Like, am I going to be, you know, doing 11 Bravo stuff because now I'm Ranger qualified because I got my tab and I'm in Ranger Regiment. Yes and no. We, we operate off of the big five. Every ranger needs to be able to do the big five. Shoot, I'm putting myself on the spot being able to mouth off what the big five are. But anyways, <laughs> get back to my point. Is, <laughs> ranger Regiment wants religious affairs specialists to be the best religious affairs specialists in the Army. So once we've gotten you past RASP 1 and you're at one of the battalions serving a unit ministry team, yes, Regiment's going to invest in your... Um, the ability to be the best religious affairs specialist, whether it's going to emergency medical ministry course, I think that's still down in, that's a J, or going to a, like a JSAO course to understand how the uh, special operations works. Like I'm, I want to invest in my 56 mics to become better version of themselves and not to become an 11 Bravo and they just get to happen to do, you know, religious affairs specialist stuff. That's a great point, too, because I think, you know, a lot of times in special forces groups and teams, you know, may have an 18 Delta, but yet that 18 Delta really performs. Everybody performs the same role when, the you know, you go forward in the mission. And there's been people that's asked that question about do you become a 42 Alpha and all of a sudden when bullets start flying and, you know, they, they change your MOS, so, uh, so to speak. You become an 11 Bravo because you're going downrange. Yeah. I mean, the reason why you enlisted is to be a 42 Alpha, to be an 88 Mike, to be a mechanic or whatever those of things and those those responsibilities carry over when there's combat and maybe you guys can expand on that so that people uh, don't misunderstand let's just go to let's go to question eight so uh, this is what i'm really can wanting to know this what is y'all's role in combat i kind of understand yours to some degree 
So I have no clue. So, so, so <laughs> what a map maker does, a cartoon does. We work with uh, geospatial and temporal data, as well as like imagery from aircraft and satellite, to uh, better enable like the ground force commander, uh, mainly identify enemy positions, develop patterns of life, uh, the battle space awareness, and then influence the decision making process. And even a, very if, important. Even if you think that there is something that you should tell that J2, that S2 down the line, uh, you should look into it, dive deep into it. Don't have somebody tell you what to do. That's kind of what our job is, is to just nitpick to find that gritty stuff that they need in order to continue to move forward. Someone asked specifically from your space and you just answered it very well and I wanna highlight it. Um, they were asking, do you become strategic or tactical? You play a role in both sides of it, but you're a, you're very strategic as well in, in uh, your role. Yes. So in the tactical side of the house, that's where you're looking at more towards like raids, cordon search. But since we're back here a lot of the time here at Benning and we're located just in the area, we help the troops forward as well. Like we still reach out to our guys and we still give them like the strategic products they need. We still brief uh, the RS2 as well and give them either the regimental daily it's not daily it's regimental uh it's like a weekly brief that we do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to them on like certain situations like failed states the next crisis response just being ready to act and where to act and what is going on in that country right now as you can tell i'm trying to dispel a lot of rumors about what low density MOS is, how they're maybe treated within regiment, those types of things. So you guys are free to expand on this because I mean, you know, this is the opportunity for you guys really to share that there's more to regiment than just what some people see, you know, out there that's advertised because 11 Bravos are something that's really important to the regiment, obviously. Um, it's kind of the bread and butter, but I mean, we also don't move, whether it's big army or anything else, it's usually a, probably in some cases, some people would say five to one ratio in terms of the support that is required to get that one person down range. Yeah, I believe the misconception of, uh, the misconception of, of, of kind of what we do, everybody's a ranger first. Uh, we, all, we all adopt that mentality coming into this organization. When we go through RASP, it's something that, that is indoctrinated in us and we all understand that. Um, tying back to your, to your previous question, so when you look at some of the, the low density MOSs across the spectrum, they provide critical mission essential tasks to that commander, that ground force commander on the ground. So it, we play just as a vital role as that, that door kicker that's at the, at the door. Um, what's unique about us is, is our heritage and past, you know, we understand, hey, you know, things in, in a real world scenario can go sideways and we might need to be at the, at, at the, at the, the cutting edge of battle with the guys there, um, if, if need be. Um, so for, for example, like, a, a echo company you know they deliver mission critical supplies to a rifleman if he doesn't have ammo if he doesn't have food if he doesn't have fuel you know he can't make his mission happen so how do we put ourselves in that position to make them successful and enhance their capabilities of you know accomplishing their mission would you guys say then that uh, for those of you especially has been big army 
Um, in a lot of cases, big army, you know, you have a training schedule, you go down, you may go to the motor pool, you clean weapons, you do whatever. It might be a little bit different um, in terms of regimen in that your training is centered around the sole function of what you are going to do in combat, which does make, I think, in some cases, this unit a little bit unique. And that everything that you are doing is to prepare you for that opportunity where it, that could be missed on occasion a big army. And for those of you who have been in big army, I think that you probably experienced that yourselves, I'm guessing, because certainly being a big army myself, um, I, I could tell you that a lot of times it wasn't as clear as we were describing earlier. You know, the, the mission, the objective and everything wasn't as clear why I'm doing what I'm doing. Whereas I think that's the sole purpose here is to help it, uh, individuals understand that at any moment we may be called upon. And it's important that we understand our role, our job, and we do it professional well. Yeah, so I'll agree to that misconception. So when I was a specialist, actually also as an E5 sergeant um, at the support battalion, first special warfare training group at uh, SWIC in Fort Liberty, um, there was, I, we were working, I got to work alongside some Green Berets and they were always telling us uh, uh, Maroon Berets about like, hey, you have to be refining your skills to, to be prepared for combat. You're still a soldier. You still have to be able to do what's expected of a soldier. Yes, we want you to do your job. But as far as the intentionality of training in that, it was far weaker than it is here because there is always that example in war where uh, someone who is a support MOS or um, an MOS like me, who finds himself in combat and it's like, how are how refined are you in your skills that you're actually gonna be value-headed on the cutting edge of battle um, and able to fight back effectively? So Ranger Regiment, thankfully, focuses on that, like you're a Ranger first. So I do a lot of work in an office. It is very easy for me to stay in my office and even when I was at 3rd Ranger Battalion, I could have spent a lot of time in the office doing effective religious support ministry with my program and stuff. But if I wasn't refining my skills to be an effective Ranger, especially during a uh, Ranger operation, I'm not gonna be helpful to those medics at the Joint Casualty Collection Point, which is often where medics will find themselves or 56 mics will find themselves if there's a real world scenario going on. And I don't wanna, I wanna train up my 56 mics to be confident in both the office and on the battlefield so that if something goes sideways, they're gonna be confident and their leadership is confident that they can be trusted at that casualty collection point, providing religious support for those who are injured. Terrific example, yeah. What's the career path and growth opportunities inside? I heard somebody originally, um, it might have been yourself, that we're uh, talking just a moment ago about the ability to maneuver within regiment uh, to different opportunities. And, you know, can you be a RASP uh, cadre? Could you be a, you know, whatever? Are those opportunities also afforded to low density MOSs? Yes, yes. As of, as of right now, there's, a, there's actually an HR guy at 42 Alpha who is in RSTC, our regimental. Uh, training company mm-hmm. um, as an instructor for RAS1. So, Excellent. Yeah. There's a, there's another 92 Fox that's actually serving as RAS1 cadre also. And uh, I have I have moved from 1st Ranger Battalion to the 3rd Ranger Battalion, and now I'm going to 2nd Ranger Battalion. So you can, there, there's growth and opportunity um, it, within your, your MOS. Um, it, it's all on what you want to do and if you want to achieve that. I think that has a lot to do with our culture of trust um, because we'd rather work with people that we can trust. And once we've gotten you through Ranger Assessment Selection, that is us putting a stamp of certification. We initially trust you. And then if, if we kept building that trust 
throughout each assignment that you've been put in, it's almost we'd rather retain that talent that we've been investing in the whole time and move you to different opportunities within Ranger Regiment. So I think that's one of the big driving forces for that. I can see for 11 Bravos, this um, Abrams Charter, you know, really standing out and going out to Big Army and be, making it be better. I'd love for you guys to tell me, like, if all of a sudden you decided for career development opportunities, there was another assignment outside of regiment. How do you think regiments help prepare you for that opportunity better? Uh, sir, so me as a 12 Bravo, uh, I think looking me leaving the Ranger Regiment, going back into the Engineer Regiment, I think the experience and the knowledge that I'm bringing back, or any engineer that has served in, in, in the regiment, going back to a regular unit is just, like people are not gonna believe it, uh, probably at times. And I don't say because um, the equipment or anything that we train with, like the demolitions that we use here or anything, but it's just like the experience as NCOs, like having multiple deployments or the training exercises or anything like that. The type of leadership and coaching that we have in this organization is gonna shape us way better. And we're gonna have and bring those um, experiences, those lessons learned back to the regular army. And then we're gonna hopefully get the army to have that common sense that sometimes lacks. Uh, and make things more smoothly, uh, take better care of soldiers, take better care of um, our leaders too. Because sometimes as a, let's say as a sign first class, I don't only have to serve my junior enlisted, I also have to respond and take care of my PO, I have to take care of my company commander, my battalion commander. So it goes both ways and using and explaining to them like, have you tried this? This we tried in the Regiment Regiment. It worked very well, inexpensive. We just can give it a go and see if you like it or not. And more often than they see why we were, we do things here the way we do. Uh, and hopefully that helps the units. Yeah, the caveat on what uh, Sergeant Barrell is saying, um, like we are the, the Army's 75th Ranger Regiment. Um, we are the standard bearer for the Army, or at least that's the intent. Um, so if we were to fill our charter, or fill our charters in PCS, we'd be bringing our discipline starting out 06 in the morning. Every single morning, you go do hard PT. Um, you show up. You're developing culture, and you're expanding the culture to other uh, force comm units. Um, that just it ties back to being the Army's something with Ranger Regiment. Yeah. And that's the whole idea, right, is that you, you get an opportunity at some point to do that, or if you choose to do that, I should say. Now, I want to go to the 12 Bravo piece of it because people have asked about Sapper and all those stuff. So you still can go to that school. And, of course, I know that um, 75th Ranger Regiment actually sent a team that did quite well to the Sapper, uh, best Sapper. Uh, didn't you do too bad, right? Uh, that was me. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> So, yes, sir, this was the second year uh, that uh, 75th Ranger Regiment sent a team to the best sapper competition. Last year was the first time. It was me, too. Uh, we ended up as uh, in eighth place last year. This year, we end up in second place. So, you know, from like the first time being there, um, we didn't do too bad. 
Uh, but of course, I came back and I was like, A plus is, is kind of unacceptable for, uh, for me. So, yeah, I don't see any eighth place trophies around here anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I took it very personal and uh, this year we went back and we 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 did a uh, second place, which I'm still kind of uh, still a little salty about that. Uh, absolutely, good. sir. Good. There's, there's only one place <laughs> that, that you want to go for. Uh, but yes, so 12 Bravos here, of course, like your priority is going to be that that Ranger tab. Um, but as soon as you get that one, like if you want to go Sapper School, that's. Like, uh, no questions asked, absolutely. That's within the career progression that you should be following as an engineer. So nobody's gonna deny that. And I think that's one of the awesome things about the Ranger Regiment is that, yes, they want you to be a Ranger, but they understand, okay, you're not at 11 Bravo, so eventually you're gonna have to go back to your regular unit and perform your duties to continue your career progression. So we're gonna do our best while you're here to set you up for success, and that's usually what happens. Uh, I need five uh, of any MOS, like low density MOS that goes back to the regular army. It's gonna be so much ahead of his peers just because of school, the training, experience, just hands down, it's gonna be a better well soldier. Somebody asked, what's the hardest thing about being in regiment, especially for your MOSs? And maybe it's not an especially, but overall. Thinking. Well, yeah. <laughs> we're all buffering. You, you heard it here, folks. It's nothing hard about being in Ranger Regiment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the thing that's, uh, that's challenging every day is, is knowing, knowing that the person left and right of you is just as good as you are. And you always want, or better, and you just want to be just like them, and you want to, you want to be better, and you want to continue to push. And I think that's what creates such an environment to develop phenomenal leaders, is that you're just surrounded by people that want to be here. That so the cliche is iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens so iron. You so have, you have a guy next to you who you know is better than you at maybe 50% of the things you guys are going to be graded on and you're better than him at the other 50% things you're going to be graded on. Yes, then it comes down to the intangibles, right? It comes down to like work ethic, comes down to charisma, comes down to your esprit de corps. It could be anything, right? Um, so that's huge. I would say, I guess then if that's the case, then one of the hardest things about Ranger Regiment makes it one of the best things about Ranger Regiment. 100%. You just mentioned yeah, something. You just mentioned something, the spirit of court. Mm -hmm. I have never been in a, any other organization, and I've been in two, three, four, five, five different duty stations prior to this one, and there has never been like such a strong spirit of the court. Uh, right here, everybody's proud to put every day that timber in their head, and then uh, I think that's why the army thinks that, um, like. Rangers are like cocky uh, because they always stand tall. They they see like the hard face, mm -hmm. like broad shoulders. Uh, but it's it's not that they do it within the purpose of just like oh look at me I'm I'm better than you. It's just the the pride that they feel inside and they feel that they have to carry around where they go. 
So I noticed you guys put Sergeant Thatcher up front. Is that the reason why? He's because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the world's largest S1 over here. Like yeah, exactly. And to kind of add to that, so that's what's super great about this organization, um, like he mentioned, with this spirit of core, is we all carry ourselves with a sense of pride. We all carry ourselves to that standard um, and, and the army recognizes and sees it and at the same time once you get to know a ranger you say wow that, that guy's actually humble so and I've had that happen to me in in those PMEs so I'll add to the difficulty of operating within ranger regiment obviously there is the the tough PT that's difficult but that that comes standard around here obviously there's the operational tempo but that comes standard so you come up with the expectation I think the one that gets most rangers uh, especially speaking from the spiritual ministry side of things is it's living up to the ranger creed every day everyone to your left and right doesn't matter if it's a private or the RCO himself everyone is trying to live up to the ranger standard and to the ranger creed uh, just because of all the rangers that come before us and all the rangers that will come in uh, after us, especially for our airborne ranger in the sky. That's kind of what really empowers us to, like, there's a reason we want to live up to that. So then it's the, that's the good side of the sword is, like, we're trying to live up to this creed. The bad side is as to think, I haven't done enough today. And that can devolve into, like, maybe I'm not fit for this organization or I'm not good enough. And it's easy for rangers to then start thinking they're not good enough when really majority of us rangers are all thinking that so it's i think we're starting to recognize that now in this organization so it is obviously we do need to fire people that need to be fired that's why we have the release for standards process um it's a standards-based organization so standards will be maintained but in keeping with the ranger creed you're not alone everyone is trying to maintain the ranger creed so it's okay if you've had that moment where you're like i'm not sure i did enough today it's okay tighten your boots down come in tomorrow get it right tomorrow and we'll keep doing that again so that's one of those that's another tough part about that uh, okay that's a leads me to another question did any of you guys as low density mos's have a little bit of that imposter syndrome when you first got here you're like i know i passed all the standards i've done all the things but why am i here like these guys i'm not like everybody else around here I like actually have a really good story <clears throat> yes i came here with a tab because I knew getting a tab here, actually, it, it's one less thing you have to do. Because if you don't come here with a tab, you're expected to go at your tab. So I came here with my tab. Now, I, when I graduated Ranger School in 2018 uh, at SWIC, they were like, that's awesome. We've never seen a 56 Mike get his Ranger tab before. And it, like, it, it went to my head. I was trying to not let it get to my head, but I was like, it, it definitely got to my head. So when I went, came to Ranger Regiment, I'm thinking, I'm a pretty awesome 56 Mike. Like, there's very few 56 Mikes like me. We have a 11 Bravo at 3rd uh, Battalion um, operating um, as a chaplain assistant at the time, now religious affairs specialist. And he was an 11 Bravo. Now, he, he wasn't on the line anymore because of his back, of a back injury, but the, he still wanted to stay in. So they're like, we'll put you with the chaplain. I came in to replace him. And this guy knew more about the job as an 11 Bravo than I did for my five years in. And he was running circles around me. And immediately that whole like, oh darn, what did I get myself into? Like, maybe I'm not fit for this organization. Immediately hit, but Ranger Regiment took care of me. They trained me up. And I forever am thankful to Sergeant Castillo because like that, that guy squared me away better than any 56 Mike has ever done uh, with a skill level 156, when I was skill level 156 Mike. Yeah, that's a great story. And I, I, I hear a lot um, 
that and this is great in breaking down the stereotype about how you guys do take care of yourselves and i think that's something to really emphasize and and whether you're an nco and taking care of your troops and passing that along that's kind of the culture that becomes uh, within an organization and so i think some may assume that the culture of ranger regiment in the past at least was more of it's it's like you know not that it's not that you're not doing the standard or you're trying to live up to the standard. It's even beyond that. It's like uh, we were talking about when recruiting. It's getting rid of people, trying to kick them out every day, trying to kick them out. It's not the case. It's more of trying to retain them and find ways to get the best value out of that individual. Allow them to self-select every day if that's something that they want to do. But you're presenting every opportunity for them to grow as a soldier within this unit. Did, did I say that probably the well, or would you guys add to that? Or you guys aren't gatekeeping. You the timeline. You, you got to self-correct, or maybe not self-correct. We'll provide the opportunity to correct, but it's not going to be like there's an op tempo here, so we have to get things done. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think the sergeant major told me a few weeks ago. He put it the best in, in a one-liner. He's like, as an NCO, you should be bringing out the best in everybody every day. And that's that's literally what we do. Whether they're meeting the standard or not, you're still attempting to to get them to be the best that human being and ranger possible every single day. Yeah, I kind of look at that as just being a leader in general, right? Yeah, I mean, if the the whole thing is not look at me, it's no, I want to look at you, and and I want to make you better. And if if I'm able to replace myself, then I've obviously done the best work because you know you're now replacing me, and that that's the ultimate compliment. Uh, to how well I've trained. So um, I did have a specific question, though, that came up on the recruiting, and it's around cyber electronic warfare. So what is the vision for cyber electronic warfare enablers? It was a question that kind of came up, and I don't know if it's something you can even address. It might be for the RSM later. I really can't address that uh, just because that's not my MOS. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they do behind closed doors, sadly. (laughs) I did. They're in a different company. Yeah. So I I wish I knew. Fair enough. There you go. Is there anything else you guys want to let? So you're out there now. People are listening, and um, either they're on active duty, um, they're coming into the Army or whatever. This is your opportunity to say why it is that they should come join you here. Well, I would have to say is when I was an E5 looking to come into this organization, I had somebody that pushed me, somebody that said, hey, do not fear the unknown. Go for it. It will pay dividends in the end. So to any listeners out there that that are that are looking or are on the edge of doing it, you'll never know until you do it. And, and I promise you, you'll regret it, that you had that thought in your mind, and then you let it go, and now you'll never know if you were able to come to this organization and serve and be a part of a team that has such a rich culture and such a rich history. So I'll say it. I would uh I would just say just just do it. Don't don't hesitate. Just do it. I mean, there's <laughs> it's it. <laughs> Super Yoda mode right there. <laughs> there's do or do not. There's no try. I like that. Just to add up a, a, a little bit, just if you don't feel comfortable, if you feel like you're not being pushed uh, to your limits, if you don't feel like the what you're we're expecting from the military, from the army, from your MOS. It's making you happy, it's satisfying you. Uh, this will be the organization where you're gonna be like, this is what I was looking for when I started, when I signed that dotted line. Um, 
sometimes you you expect that from just being in a regular unit because uh, everybody joins the army for whatever reason like some let's say but they also have to want it to be in the military uh, because of discipline because of love to physical fitness uh, doing obstacle courses something like that if you guys are not doing that right now this is the place where all that stuff is gonna happen and come true um, yeah it comes to a, with a price but that price because you have to pay is gonna be so much rewarding that you're actually gonna in, enjoy the the results that you get from it I'll say to any religious affairs specialist that's interested in coming here, I want all religious affairs specialists in the United States Army to be the best religious affairs specialist that they can be. Um, if you want to come here then and you think you're some, my encouragement is specifically then to those who want constant improvement because any organization wants an individual who's always seeking to improve themselves for the betterment of themselves and the organization. And that's what we're trying to recruit here. And it goes to the age old uh, saying of, there's plenty of people who said they were almost rangers, and then there were people who actually went through the selection process and became rangers. And those are the 56 mics that I want to recruit, are the ones who actually want to show up to the rocks and take their shot at RASP-1. I've had plenty of guys say that they want to come here, and then I respect the ones who say this isn't for me, because then at least they said it's not for me, and they're going to go off and do great things in the Army. The ones who never fully commit and don't really say anything and, don't, and then don't commit at all or just kind of peter out, I have very little respect for it. But I respect the ones who show up and take a shot at trying to come through Ranger Assessment Selection versus self-selecting themselves before they even ever showed up. So One of our biggest questions or area of questions that we got was around RASP2, which tells me that there are more people who are interested in coming here but self-selecting. So uh, they ought to listen to your challenge because I think that's the thing is that so many of them decide, well, I want to hear and I want to be pushed. Listen, all the tools, everything's the, the path and everything's laid out in front of you is what you guys are saying. But it's up to you now to make the decision to go ahead and take that leap and, and go off and do it. Uh, nobody else can do that for you. So whether you're listening to it and or watching and you're brand new out on the streets or you're already on active duty and you've thought about it, well, that's a fair challenge. Uh, don't self-select. Go ahead and do it and let them, uh, which the regiment, select you guys if you guys are not meant to be here. Yeah, you give know. us the opportunity to hire you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what RASP was for. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate you guys coming yes. on the show. You guys are and awesome. Good yeah, job. Really good uh, covering all of this, and, and it's going to really bring the light uh, an area that I don't think a lot of people know much about, which is the low density and the support that you guys provide to the overall regiment and so many different MOSs and skills and um, the experience that you bring to the table. Uh, and what I love about it, too, is that you guys are all going to go back out to Big Army and even make that better. Um, and that's kind of fulfilling that or Abrams Charter even that much more. So, again, thank each and every one of you for coming on the show. Sure. Thank thank you. Uh, I want to thank you, sir, because uh, like in 2006, when I joined the military, I didn't really have an idea what a, a ranger engineer, like 12 Bravo Ranger was. Uh, and I made the mistake of asking my team leader that wasn't a ranger uh, if I could go come to Ranger Regiment. And he was like, yeah, no, they don't have spots for you. But like now with platforms like yours, uh, you're reaching way more people that I can ever do on a just recruiting brief. 
So just having you guys here and giving us the opportunity to have that voice to hire 12 Bravos, 92 Foxes, 42 Alphas, like low density MOSs is, is awesome. Yeah. I think this is awesome for the regiment. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, we enjoy it, obviously, and coming back yeah. here. And this is, I think, our third time in being able to do that. So it's pretty exciting when we get the call and, um, you know, we're able to, to make the connection and everything. And I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of questions that are out there that you could put all the material available. Um, but if they're not searching in the right places or sometimes they just want to hear it over and over again to get that confidence of, okay, yeah, now I think I'm ready or whatever. Each of you have a story that's probably hidden at some point. If you're ever interested in coming on the show individually, we'd love to have you on uh, because that's what we're also about is uh, building up the community and helping people who may be going through similar struggles or challenges or experiences or those who are interested in your individual journey. Um, so uh, I'll throw that out there and, and say the same to you uh, back at you. So I really appreciated you guys taking the time out of your busy schedule and coming on so once again thank you 